0: Lights up on a park bench. Lights up on a desk.
1: Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up. Lights up.
2: up. A podcast by the Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga.
1: Lights up. Sean and Luann are seated having a picnic. They are in a grass field surrounded by nature.
3: It's beautiful today, huh?
4: Yes. Yes, it is.
3: This pie was delicious.
4: It's an old recipe. It's been a while since I made it.
3: It's so simple but delicious.
4: Cool whip and a big Hershey's bar. But, and the crust, of course. (laughs) Whose recipe? Someone very inventive.
3: Someone brilliant.
4: Yes, he was brilliant. More punch?
3: No, thanks. Uh, I'm okay for now. Okay. Here, uh, have another almond.
1: He hands her a box of sea salted dark
4: chocolate almonds. How many of these are you going to offer me to eat? I don't know. Oh, sure. I love these. She takes the package.
3: They're phenomenal. Like you.
4: You know, this day right here reminds me of another. It's almost unsettling how much.
3: She
1: feels around in the package for an almond and then... Ah! After she screams, she throws the box on the ground. She's now holding a ring in her fingers.
3: What's this? You finally got it. What is this? This day just got even better, didn't it? What,
1: what is this? Gets on one knee.
3: Luanne, will you marry me? I. I've loved you since I first saw you, since you moved here those many years ago, and my love for you has stayed steadfast. I will forever. Luanne, I. Stop. Please, stop. I. Stop.
1: She throws the ring on the ground.
4: I can't. I... I can't. Can't? No. I can't. I'm sorry.
3: I... why? Why?
4: I... I like what this is. What we have. But I can't take it further.
3: Well, it's the natural... Progression?
4: No, not for me. It's not. It can't be for me.
3: So you're telling me no?
4: Yes. I'm sorry, but yes, I'm telling you no.
3: You didn't have to throw the ring on the ground.
4: I'm sorry.
3: I saved up for this.
4: I know. I'm sorry. It's
3: been a pretty penny.
4: I'm sorry.
3: Took a while to look for it, too.
4: He retrieves the ring. I'm so sorry.
3: Uh, <clears throat> so, do I leave? What? Do I leave? Is the picnic over?
4: Well, it doesn't have to be. Okay.
3: I'll take the punch now.
1: (sighs) Yes, of course. (laughs) Here you go. She gives him the punch.
4: It is a great day for a picnic. (laughs) Yes. You really did a good job. With what? With planning all this out. (laughs) I had no idea. And it was pretty ingenious. Putting the ring in the dark chocolate sea-salted almond box? I mean, you know I love them, considering you used to leave a box of them on my desk every week. You put together past, present, and future in one move. Mm. Definitely ingenious.
3: I'm not sure you have the right to dissect the brilliance of my proposal a minute after you turned it down. Oh. Um, sorry.
4: I don't mean to be insensitive, I I really don't. I just really liked the way you did it and all. Quite simple and romantic.
3: Why are you praising my technique if you didn't like the product?
4: I I liked it
3: all. But still no? Uh, Still no. I like your quirkiness, I I always have. But just in this one instance, I'm finding it irksome. (laughs)
4: You think I'm
3: quirky? And you think I'm not worth marrying.
4: You're worth marrying. You are. Just, you can't marry me. I'm, uh, I'm. What? I don't want to say.
3: You can tell me anything. Even, no, apparently. You're what? Cursed. What? I'm cursed. No, you're not. I am. You don't know
4: me, the whole me.
3: I know enough of you. No, no, you don't. I know you. Look, you moved here from Vermont after college. Mm
5: -hmm.
3: You've been working at the staple plant since. It was scandalous at first. Someone from admin spending so much time with someone from the floor, but we did it. We ignored the naysayers and followed our hearts. Because you had courage. You had courage then and you have courage now. You're not cursed. Please, (laughs) I know you.
4: I was in love before with someone else. What? In love before, in Vermont.
3: You never said anything.
4: No, no, I didn't.
3: You're the first person I loved.
4: And now I'm warning you, loving me, is not a good idea.
3: It's not an idea. It's real.
4: Uh, look, I hear you, I do.
3: What happened with your old love?
4: It's painful.
3: What happened?
4: Uh, we were sitting there. It was a day like today, on the porch, on the railing, looking out to the trees, to the greenest of fields that, it, well, is his garden. Well, his mom's. Um, hearing the stream gurgle, even an eagle flying overhead. All this was happening at that moment. We were sitting there, holding each other's hands, and then our eyes found each other's. This feeling, this feeling came up and overtook us. Well, I know it. Overtook me, I can only imagine what he was feeling because it's what ultimately consumed him. I mean, can someone love too much? Can someone be so overcome with the power of someone else? The smell, the feel, the everything of someone else? I never thought that was possible. Never even thought to ask myself those questions. But now I. Saw the answer with my own eyes. We were sitting there, one with nature, one with each other, just one we're sitting there, and then it happened. I was following the lines on his hand, tracing them, the branches, that complex map of vein lines on his hand, and we were so deeply looking into each other's eyes, and then he pulled out the ring. We loved each other so much. We were sitting there, just sitting there, ring in hand, him asking, me saying yes, and then me putting on the ring, and that's when his heart popped. The doctor that they'd never seen anything like it. But by the time they were involved, it was definitely too late. He was almost in slow motion. He didn't seem to be in pain, just merely surprised, <laughs> even orgasmic, like a water balloon going pop. The balloon can't hold it any longer, and neither could he. And after his heart exploded, burst popped. His eyes got so big. He grabbed tighter my hand that was already in his and whispered with a pointed passion you never hear. I love you too much. It was at that moment when I saw all the different colors that blood could be. In a beautifully strange way, overcome the different orifices of his face. All I could do was hold him, try and wipe away the deep reds, the blues I swore I saw, and all the colors in between from his eyes, nose, and mouth. I felt his inner beauty on my hands, the beauty from the inside I never thought I'd see. And then it was over. It was clear to me at that point. Only I was sitting there.
3: Why didn't you tell me this sooner?
4: I play my cards close. Not sure if I trust in anything anymore.
3: You can trust me.
4: But with something like this, Sean, never, despite your best intentions, can I ever know anything for certain.
3: You can know that I love you.
4: I'm not holding your insides in my hands. I won't.
3: Look, I've never heard of someone's heart exploding. Maybe it was an aneurysm. Uh, something.
4: You're saying I don't know what I'm talking about? I have it on the death certificate. Death by loving too much. Death by heart popping. I keep it with me, close to me, at all times.
1: Here. She gives him the death certificate from her purse.
3: My goodness it is in writing. Cause of death. Heart popped. Loved too much.
4: I have it in writing, and I have the memory seared in me forever. I know what happened. Look, you can choose to believe whatever you want.
3: No, no. I believe you, LuAnn.
4: Good, because I know what I'm talking about. I know that. You think he wanted to die like that? For loving too much?
3: Probably not.
4: See, why would you even want to marry me?
3: Because I love you. Don't you love me?
4: I do, but I need to hold back. But... I don't want
3: your heart to pop. I suppose I I don't want my heart to pop either. See? Sounds like it was very messy.
4: It was. Blood. Everywhere.
3: I really like the shirt I'm wearing.
4: Well, his shirt was the least of his worries.
3: Oh, my. I'm sorry. Of course. I didn't mean that. I was just thinking it would probably be a very messy experience.
4: Sean, it scarred me for life. Made my life messy.
3: I hear that. I understand that.
4: So, why are you still here?
3: What do you mean? Why
4: aren't you running for the hills?
3: I guess because I love you.
4: I told myself I wouldn't get swept up again.
3: Sometimes life doesn't listen.
4: It wasn't life not listening. It was me not listening. You're just so, so lovely and innocent and noble. Oh, how could I have resisted you?
3: You sure know how to make a fella blush.
4: <laughs> oh, I tried to be cold at first, but you melted my veneer. I guess being cold isn't in my nature.
3: It's definitely not in your nature.
4: Can we just enjoy the rest of our picnic? Of course. Can we just keep on going like this forever?
3: So, it's just marrying that's the issue?
4: Marrying, asking to marry, the whole ring thing. Mm, I don't need it.
3: So, Ben.
4: How'd you know his name?
3: Death certificate, which you carry around. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Do you still love him?
4: Um, I do.
3: And you love me too?
4: Yes, but it's complicated. Don't get insulted.
3: I'm trying.
4: I never liked keeping this from you. And perhaps I should have told you that marriage isn't in my future. Hurting you was never my intention.
3: I'm not hurt. (laughs) I don't think. Actually, I don't know what I am. And I'm making the decision to be okay about not knowing what I am. I
4: wish I were okay about not knowing. I get scared.
3: Well, maybe that's where the choice might come in. Maybe we can consciously choose not to be afraid, but embrace it. Embrace, I don't know.
4: Mm, I don't know.
3: See, isn't that okay?
4: Maybe.
3: I feel an unexpected challenge.
4: What do you mean?
3: Like what if I put the ring on your finger and my heart doesn't pop?
4: then you'd stay alive.
3: But would my love for you not be enough? Like would my love for you have failed?
4: Oh. I never thought about it that way.
3: Like would I always be questioning and thinking, do I not love Luann enough? I'd always be in competition with Ben, thinking that he loved you more and I love you less because my heart continues to beat while his popped. And the mere fact that I'm still living means I question every day of my life if I just don't have the ability to love enough. If I can't, for some reason, if my love doesn't work.
4: Well, now I'm curious.
3: I mean, me too, kinda.
4: Well, I don't want you to... Put a ring on my finger to compete with my dead fiance.
3: But competing with Ben's love for you isn't the primary reason I asked. Uh, clearly, I-, I wanted to ask you to marry me. That's the first reason, the first and foremost. I was going to ask before I knew about him. Now, however, now that I know the whole situation, maybe seeing if my heart would pop to prove my love for you is a secondary or or tertiary reason, or or.
4: I shouldn't have told you. I don't want you to compete with Ben.
3: Wait a minute. What? What if I love you the perfect amount? Oh, well, that's a thought. I feel that I love you the perfect amount.
4: I would imagine perhaps your heart wouldn't pop.
3: I would imagine further that maybe my heart would beat stronger. Be the best heart that it could possibly be. (laughs)
4: Nothing would make me happier.
3: Me too. This is a risk I'm willing to take.
4: When something happens that's inexplicable, that I I can't wrap my brain around, I get crazy. It's happened before to me to lesser extents, like not getting a job, when I swear by all in any means I should have. I, I tend to get stuck on those things. Things that defy logic. and. When Ben died because he loved me too much, I couldn't grasp it. I couldn't make sense of it, and it's consumed me so much. I had to move here and take the job at the staple plant. (laughs) Anything to get me away. And by running away, I find myself here with you.
3: Maybe you weren't running away, but running towards. You just didn't know it.
6: (laughs) Oh, life.
3: Indeed.
4: I just want to continue our picnic.
3: But things can't stay the same now.
4: They've changed, huh?
3: Yes, they've changed. It's time for you to... To... Give Ben up. Let Ben go.
4: If I put this ring on, you're not going to die.
3: I don't know the answer to that.
4: I don't want to kill you. I want to marry you.
3: Luanne? let me put on the ring. Uh, I won't let you throw away your future because of your past.
4: I've kept something major from you. I don't deserve you.
3: Yes. Yes, you do.
4: Sean gets on one knee again.
3: Luan. Again? Will you marry me?
4: Oh, I'm scared. Me too. If you die, I love you.
3: I know that. And if I die, I want you to find the love you so rightly deserve, and I'll know it's not your fault. At all.
4: Can I... uh, Can I... What? Put my hand on your heart?
3: Of course.
1: She puts her hand on his heart.
3: Luann, will you marry me?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes, I will marry you. Sean takes the ring and places it on Luann's finger on the hand that is not on his heart. Sean suddenly and loudly gasps. Then Luann gasps. (gasps)
3: Did you feel that? Oh my goodness, I did,
4: I did. I think, uh, 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 I think. It grew, didn't
3: it? It grew. Yes. (laughs) I felt it. I did too. It grew to the size it always knew it could be. Oh, you're still alive.
1: And with a perfect heart. (laughs) They kiss a long kiss.
4: We did it.
3: We sure did.
4: I can't explain the past.
3: I can't either.
4: But I know somehow it's brought me to here, right now.
3: Right here. Right now.
4: And forever.
1: Lights fade.
0: Hey, everybody. It's Gary, the producer for Lights Up. Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga's new podcast for playwrights, performers, and patrons of theater. I wanted to see if you've heard about Anchor. Anchor, the platform that's hosting our podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, well, I am happy to be the first to tell you about it. It is free. F-R-E-E. That's right, free. Um, There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer uh, or your phone. And Anchor will distribute the podcast that you create so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. And you know what else? It doesn't cost you anything, but you can make money from your podcast and you don't even have to have a minimum listenership. That's right. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place so do like we did download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started that's anchor a-n-c-h-o-r or anchor a-n-c-h-o-r.fm to get started and create your podcast.
6: Okay, so we just heard Pop by Peter Macklin, who is joining us right now. Um, The actors were Andrew Betts. He played the role of Sean. And then Lori Shaw read the role of Luann. So, Peter, thank you so much for joining us to talk about your piece.
5: Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I've been listening to the podcast for, uh, you know, since it's been on. And I got to say, I feel like I'm, like, stepping on stage right now. And you guys are just so fantastic. I love listening to you.
7: Uh, Peter, you are um, my quote unquote neighbor here. You're also in New York City. We're about a um, hundred blocks from each other. <laughs> yes,
5: I'm <laughs> about. on the third street and I think you're about a hundred blocks further north.
7: Yes, that is correct. And um, as Christy said, we uh, had one of our actors, Andrew Betts, uh, who portrayed Sean, we both know and I I don't know you I've this is my first time meeting you but you know Andrew and I know Andrew and we were just talking about what a small world it is this theater world that we're in
5: it's a small beautiful fantastic world that I miss so much so um thank you for allowing me to be a part of this because this is um it's like a, a beautiful I don't know memory to be a part of it's it's not a memory but it's like I'm so thankful for this podcast, is what I'm saying.
7: Thank awesome. you. I like to think of it kind of as almost uh reimagining. Chrissy and I talked about that a little bit in our halfway point of theater is not gonna go theater as we know it is not gonna go away, but we have to kind of reevaluate, reimagine. It's like a really this is like a really intense long 10 out of 12, I feel like. And we're having to make these adjustments to to get the show up and going in this time. Absolutely. Um, that, that's what it feels like to me anyway, so.
5: Yeah, we'll be back. Mark my oh, words, we'll be absolutely.
6: back. Absolutely.
7: <laughs> and okay. you mentioned a uh, memory or revisiting. Christy. do you wanna talk about, you actually have performed in this piece as well, right?
6: Yes, okay. In fact, Sophia, that was gonna be one of my first questions for you. What's fun is, so in 2010, ETC did this piece for a, a festival that we had called Mixed Media. And, um, and I believe, was this written for that project?
5: Yes, it was written exactly for Mixed Media. Gary reached out to me because he knew I was a playwright. I'm, I'm also an actor. <clears throat> and he reached out and asked me if I would uh, submit something to the festival. And I did. And what happened was he gave me a picture of a, of a, um, a, stat- a statue. Yes, a it was an art, art piece. piece. Yeah, an art piece. Yeah, and I had to write a, a scene based on that, <clears throat> and uh, then pop happened.
6: And it's it's honestly such a fun piece. So one of my first questions that I have for you, which is almost kind of just a little bit of a silly question, is talk to me about the names Sean and Luann. Um, what inspired that? Like,
5: uh, well, they're they're spelled interestingly. I think is the is is the thing. So, Luann is L U J A N. Um, And then Sean is X-I-A-N. And I picked those, honestly, one of those is uh, a last name of someone I went to grade school with. And the other one I just uh, chose. So it was just a, I wanted to add to their quirkiness, the character's quirkiness. And um, I thought that was one way to do it.
7: And so that was 10 years ago uh, that, that you guys did the Mixed Media Festival, correct? Um, But yet the version that we heard today, you've done um, a little bit of rewriting on, is that correct? Do you want to talk to us about that process?
5: Absolutely. You know, I very much view pop, this this play that we all just heard as a work in progress, because honestly, I've never seen it. I've never seen it up on its feet. So when it was done at Ensemble Theatre Chattanooga, I didn't have the means to to go to Chattanooga to, to see it. So I never saw it. Um, and then when Gary reached out for this podcast to, uh, to produce it as far as the podcast, I took it out and I was like, oh boy, I was a really inexperienced writer, one. And two, so I was also writing for the festival, meaning that I was writing specifically to match the, 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 the statue, that I, the picture of the statue. And I realized when I took it out this time that I don't have to do that anymore. So uh, the second half of the play is pretty much rewritten, um, because I thought I missed out on some some possibilities with uh, with the couple. But yeah, I, I still think that the play is a work in progress, because honestly, I think I would still rewrite it, you know, uh, first of all, playwriting 101, find a different way to say I love you. I mean, geez. And other than that, I, I would tighten it some more. Um, and I would also make it very clear that the, um, what happened in Luann's past is s- deeply moving to her because it's, it's, it's magical realism really. And in order to invest fully into the magical realism, it needs to be written solidly and in a truthful way. So I, w- I would I'd absolutely um, think of this as a work in progress and would be interested in, in exploring it further.
7: I'm so glad you said magical realism. I think you saw and I like give you praise hands because this is how I've been referring to pop. Um, And when we first were reading through plays to select for this, we were like, okay, we're going to do a podcast. What, what are we going to do? What's our, what's our vision going to be all this stuff. And we were first selecting, Christy and I were very drawn to pop. It was, there was no like hemming or hawing. I think this was like one of the ones we were like, yeah, we love this. We want to use it cause it's light and fun and hopeful and, and, and beautiful, but I just kept saying there's something really wonderful about using magical realism when you're trying to make love tangible in, in theater. And it reminded me very much of, um, almost Maine. It's all vignettes on, um, love and, and people finding love and navigating through love. And there is even one sequence where someone's, uh, heart is broken in a completely different way but in a very magical realism way and um i just love this quality of of that and um i looked it up and i re-looked it up again and there's an actual true medical condition called broken heart syndrome really so i i was gonna ask if you knew that if you were using that as any inspiration or anything um and 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 i know you used the statue when you were writing but where specifically did this come from in the choice to do magical realism?
5: Yeah, well, first of all, I did not know that was a medical condition. And I've certainly been afflicted with it without knowing. We <laughs> um, all
7: have, I think. I think, I think so. we all
5: have. Yeah. And I, honestly, that's where this came from. You know, I, I've had my heart broken, you know. Um, and I, I also wanted to explore the other side of it about loving too much. Cause I've always felt sort of like I've loved too much at times, you know, and, and and sometimes that's a very painful thing to do. You know, it's a very painful act to to be a part of is loving too much, you know, And and when that happens, it hurts, it hurts. And then also, I also wanted to explore what happens after things go horribly wrong. Because I think we've all been, here too, where, you know, we think the world is over because something happened. Well, clearly we're in the middle of a pandemic, so we're all globally feeling that way. But before, you know, pre-pandemic, we've, we've all felt this way in certain areas in our lives, you know, whether it be love or not getting a job or whatever, um, where things don't seem bright afterwards. But what happens after? I wanted to explore that. And, I also wanted to give these characters love again. I remember the statue had a heart at the top of it, if I remember correctly. Um, oh, right, and it was called the juggler. The, the, the piece of art was called the juggler. And the second half of the play, the first iteration of it, Sean was uh, sort of in a competition with Ben, the guy who had his heart, had, whose heart popped. So it became. He called Luann a juggler, and it was like really, like much to my discredit, like following ABC to this uh, scu- the sculpture. Which um, I'm happy. I'm I'm more of a experienced right now, where I don't have to follow those you know rules that I thought I needed to back then. The first iteration was all about being a juggler, and and it was this like competition between the two. You were like. Tell me about your uh, experience with it, Christy.
6: Oh my gosh! Oh well, so I performed it with another one of our producing partners, whose name is John Thomas, and um, so we were the two roles, and we just had so much fun with it, truly, because there is such, there's such a lightness, but there's this tenderness to it, if that makes sense. Um, and I think you you nailed it in just explaining it. Well, I mean, of course, you did. You wrote it, but. Um, <laughs> the concept of loving too much is a painful thing. I remember my mom even telling me in a relationship, it's almost impossible for, for parties to always be congruent in the amount that they love. So would you rather be with someone that you love more, or would you rather be with someone who loves you more? And I remember when she posed that question to me, it was like, I don't know. I didn't know that that was something I needed to consider. And I feel like this was a piece that you really we were really able to sort of unpack that and experience that as an as, as an actor and and understanding. Man, you guard your heart sometimes, and you pull back, and you don't invest, and the the fear that comes with it. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was so fun to experience, and so so listening to your rewrites um, that was truly delightful because it's so funny. Like certain lines like popped back up, and then certain things I was like, that's new. I really like that. I like I like the direction that that went. That was fun.
5: The thing that I felt like I missed out on is exploring Sean's journey of, well, what happens now if my heart pops? Because that wasn't part of it before. It it became this, as I said, this juggling thing between him and Ben. And weirdly, it was like on Luann to like make a choice. And it was, uh, you know, uh, I I just thought I missed out on several opportunities. So I'm I'm grateful for the chance that I had to rewrite this and really examine the, you know, what do, what do we do as a couple? You know, do what if your heart pops also?
6: <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, which kind of goes right into my question perfectly. So you being an actor slash playwright, do you feel that your role as an actor influences how, how you write? So did you feel like you wrote pop with, you, with your self performing in mind at all, or how does that work for your, for
5: you? Yeah. Um, okay. So, did I write myself into it? No. However, a big yes that my acting informs my writing because I know what it's like to say good dialogue. I'd say yes, absolutely. My 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 career as a as an actor and my career as a playwright absolutely feed off of one another um, artistically and in every way, it's, it's just a symbiotic thing, so absolutely.
7: So as a writer, was it about wanting to create something you wanted to say, like actually put words to something? What was that about? Why why were you pivoting uh, to, to writing at that point?
5: Well, um, I originally got into writing, playwriting, uh, because I helped deliver my prom dates child. Um, Oh, wow, that's a great story. Wait, what? <laughs> it, it, it wasn't at the prom. It was a couple of years later. However, uh, at the time she asked me to step in and she wanted to do it naturally. So I was the, the her birthing partner. And then I got the, got the call and uh, 27 and a half hours later and me cutting the umbilical cord and her doing a little work. <laughs> um, uh, I helped deliver uh, fola. Um, but the whole situation around the, the, the birthing and, and without going too deeply into it, I thought, you know what, this would make a great play. Um, and I had already been, you know, acting forever, and, and I had been around plays, so I knew what sort of might make a good play. Um, and it ended up turning into my first play called Someplace Warm ended up uh, getting produced off off-Broadway here in the city and then got submitted to the Sam French Festival oh. uh, and then end, ended up winning. So I was all of a sudden a published playwright and I thought, oh, okay, well, I, I'm a writer now. What really floats my boat to write is the idea of injustice um, and having something to say about the world. And in, it, injustice is, is, I would say, is my like, my engine even in pop, the injustice of being spurned by love, you know, th- th- there's injustice there. Like, oh my God, there are so many times I would like, you know, throw my fist up to the sky about love and that, at how unjust love is, you know. Um, but my current works are, are more about injustice in the world in which we live, which uh, there's a bit of injustice these days.
7: <laughs> Just a little bit. Just, so Just you know. a little bit. <laughs> I have kind of a silly um question for both of you since you both have personal experience with pop um there's a very beginning of the play they're talking about the picnic and the different foods and there's that um pie which is like the Hershey bar with the cool which I will say is um my grandmother and my then now my mom used to make this um like chocolate pudding pie basically and it's my brother's absolute favorite and that's what you were describing so I was very latched on to that detail but when Luann is describing the recipe she says it's from a very special person I just want to know if Christy as when you were acting did you have an idea or a backstory for who that recipe came from and Peter when you were writing that detail did did you because I as a listener Knowing where the play was going, had an idea of whose recipe that was, and I was just curious. Who did you think it was? Huh. Oh, do you want me to tell you now? Yeah. I, I, think, I I think to me it was Ben's recipe because she uses male pronouns and she talks about having him with her always and and being such a big part of his life. So to me, I was like listening the second time. I was like, oh damn, if that's his recipe. Like he's at that picnic already. Like he's, he's ever present. So that's what it was for me
6: as a listener. Christy? I definitely had that influence as well. What's funny is listening to it with Lori and Andrew was the first time where I wondered if it had somehow come from Sean. Um, Cause definitely like the first iteration 10 years ago, that made perfect sense to me as well. Like there's something, there's, this is something special. There's a history to it. But when, when Lori was saying it, I was like, it almost sounds like, hey, I made you something that I got from you. You know, I got it from this really cool guy. You know what I mean? It's so almost had like this light, almost flirtation that was more present than historical was was kind of my take on yeah. this iteration. So I don't, that's just my experience of it. Yeah, that's
5: awesome. Um, honestly, when I was writing it, it was definitely Ben. Um, as any play sort of, you know, gets life, every team can make whatever choice they want to make. But definitely as a playwright, it was it was Ben. There's, there's, for sure some um, very wink, wink, nod, nod hints at the beginning of, of you know, this day reminds me of some, some day in the past. It's absolutely like very heavy handed purpose foreshadowing or backshadowing as to what happened in the past. So I sort of wanted to have magical elements besides the big magical element, which was the heart popping. Um, sort of course through. like I feel like the, the, their language is elevated a little bit and the the, the, the the words they choose are different. It's not an everyday vernacular and that's very purposeful. in order for me as a playwright to feed into this magical realism world that we're in, you know it, it's it's sort of like our world, but there's two degrees different. you know you turn the dial and we're in this world that's very similar to ours but it's not.
7: It's like um did you guys ever watch that TV show Pushing Daisies? The definition of magical realism on television. And that's what it was. It was like the dial was just cranked up a few notches on on real life and yeah. to our listeners if you haven't seen it, I don't know if it's streaming somewhere, but you should look for it cuz it's really charming and it's... you know, I
5: remember hearing about Pushing Daisies Pushing Daisies. I have never seen it. However, I will say a huge influence on me still to this day, and anyone who knows me know what I'm, knows what I'm about to say, is Twin Peaks.
0: Oh.
5: Uh, so Twin Peaks uh, is also this like magical realism uh, world and very often nightmare <laughs> <laughs> realism as far as Twin Peaks. But the, 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 the sort of love stories and the sort of tender moments of Twin Peaks is sort of pop know in a because they they also speak in a in a in a very uh, singular way you know um so yeah I, this is pop was just me exploring and it is as I said it's not done um because I, I feel like there's still work to do but it's it's uh it's me exploring you know as a playwright and and trying to push or expand my boundaries you know and and actually not to have boundaries as a playwright that's I think that that's key to not self-imposed boundaries and just everything is part of uh is a valid thing to to try and explore
6: do you imagine yourself expanding pop or exploring it deeper or how, what do you kind of feel the future of pop is
5: you know i i i hadn't and i haven't thought about that um exploring expanding it or exploring it further i might um, i'm working on a play now that um is taking up my time in yeah. in all good ways, you know, uh, and you know, this is this we've all we all have these stories during this COVID time, but um, I still have projects that are that have halted, um, that I'm eager to get back on track or to find lives for them, you know. Um, so, pop for now, I think is going to live in this podcast, and uh, I might pick it up later in the future. But for now, I'm, I, I, I feel like I have to focus on this, the full lengths that I'm working on.
6: So are there any projects that you're working on right now that you'd love to share and talk about with our listeners a little bit?
5: Sure, yeah. Uh, well, when this whole thing went down, meaning COVID, um, I had a play called, it was originally called uh, Conviction, but it was retitled as, uh, to the, uh, the right here right now, which was supposed to be at uh, Bay Street Theater their new play festival was going to be a very exciting step for the play and also me as a playwright. So, uh, but I was assured that it's still part of their, you know, what they're what they're uh, thinking about. So, I'm um, looking forward to seeing that have life. Well, their Bay Street is such a fantastic theater, um, and. Scott, the artistic director, the artistic director is, is amazing. And I know his wife, Julia, and she's amazing. So it's just a, 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 it's a great community to be a, a part of, you know.
7: Uh, okay, Peter. So if there's anything else you want to promote or any place, do you have a website or somewhere you can, uh, our listeners can go to um, read more of your works or learn more about you? Please let us know.
5: Absolutely. My website is www.petermacklin.com. Um, thank you to the actors. I thought the actors were fantastic and I'm looking forward to working with you guys, uh, in some way in some, somehow in the future. So, and to Gary, thank you so much, Gary, uh, for, um, uh, Helming the Ensemble Theater of Chattanooga, you know, uh, uh, regional theater is, I think, the lifeblood of the American theater. Um, so Any work outside of New York, I applaud with my whole intact heart. Um, So, uh, and kudos to everyone here. I think we're doing, we're trying to march on and keep the American theater alive.
7: What is your favorite word? Passion. What is your least favorite word?
5: Milk toast.
7: What is your favorite app?
5: words with friends.
7: What is your favorite or most used emoji?
5: (laughs) Um, The tongue. (laughs) (laughs) I just love it. It's funny and it's unexpected and people are like what? And I'm like yeah that's the tongue.
7: What is your
6: favorite board game?
5: Dark Dark Tower. Do you remember Dark Tower?
6: All right sweet or savory? Savory. Window or aisle seat? Aisle. Uh, Dolphins or koalas?
5: Koalas. Well, I, don't, I don't wanna, I feel like I'm like dissing dolphins. Like, <laughs> I love you dolphins, I do. And I don't want you in my tuna. I like, I, I, I love dolphins.
6: Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? I
5: have dark chocolate in my freezer now and it has sea salt in it.
6: Summer or winter?
5: Summer, hands down.
6: Name a dessert
7: you don't like.
5: Is candy considered a dessert? Cause black licorice should be banished from this earth. And anyone who likes it, I question. And that's including my parents, so I'm putting that in that.
7: Well, then you can deeply question me because I'm oh! like a minority here. But yeah, my mother and I both, and we are in the minority for sure, really love black licorice. I know my
6: mother loves black licorice when she comes to visit. I usually like get a little bag and, and set it on the nightstand in their guest room. And like
5: I, guys I, guys, I don't like see, black licorice. You guys can't see this in, in podcast land, but I'm my mouth is a gape. I'm shocked. This is shocking.
7: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know this is going to be very divisive. I know a lot of people are going to be very angry at me for this, but you know what? There's if you don't like it, just give it to me. I'm not asking you to like it. Do
5: <laughs> you remember Good and Plenty? Because those, yes. those those are like undercover. Because the 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 pink and the white are like, ooh, this is going to taste good, and then it's death
7: inside. She put those in my mom's stocking for Christmas every year. She's obsessed. She loves them.
5: This deserves a whole other podcast episode. <laughs>
7: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My mom's name is Crystal and Gary calls me Crystal Light. (laughs) Um, And this is like a true Crystal Light moment where I just, we just both really have that love for that. Um, What is one superpower you wish you had?
5: Banishing Trump.
7: What are three things you can't live without?
5: Uh, You know, I have to admit, especially during COVID times, my phone, I'm totally addicted and I'm not doing anything about it. In fact, I'm like, stepping the gas on like this, it's now like, part of me. So my phone, um, ri- plays, I was gonna say writing, but plays Um, and love.
7: If you had a tattoo, what and where would it be? Or if you have tattoos, tell us about them.
5: I don't have a tattoo. However, if I were to get a tattoo and I was thinking about it three years ago when this came back, but it was, it would be Twin Peaks related. I'm going to get that Twin Peaks tattoo.
7: Tattoo sounds very on brand. It doesn't sound like anything that you'll be upset or regret. So
5: I think I might. Thanks guys.
7: So you're stuck on an Island and you can pick one food to eat forever without getting tired of it.
5: Again, everyone who knows me knows the answer to this and it's nachos.
6: What is a book or play that you think everyone should read? Hamlet. If your life were a song, what would the title be?
5: Uh, keep on moving.
6: If you could master one instrument, what would it be? piano. If you could live anywhere else where would you live?
5: I'm a native New Yorker and I have such New York pride. It's hard for me to answer this with another place besides New York. So exactly where I am or Italy just because I studied Italian.
6: What is your favorite way to rest or to decompress?
5: Uh, I take naps all the time.
6: That's a life skill.
5: It should be like you know siestas exist everywhere else or in Europe and not here. I mean, that's anyway, I see all the time.
7: If you could switch lives with someone for a day, who would it be?
5: Shakespeare, as in William.
7: Oh, that one, yes. That yeah. one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's inspiring you in life right now?
5: Well, I touched on this before. So in, Injustice and that's all around and uh, it's definitely inspiring my new play and my plays in general um so injustice
7: what's the best piece of advice you've received
5: every no is a yes
7: what would you like to be remembered for
5: uh improving the world meaning progress um through my plays
7: all right last one describe yourself in a hashtag
5: hashtag biden harris 2020
0: The winner for this week's prompt is Thomas White's The Insistent Downward Pressure of Water. Lights up on a man talking to himself in the rearview mirror of his car after making some purchases at a pharmacy. All I wanted to do was buy some almonds when I picked up my prescription. They're good for you. Those almonds? You needed those. I know, but you'd think I had committed a crime. The way that girl in line behind me was staring. Kids are so rude now. Not a bit of respect from any of them anymore. I'd call her parents if I knew who they are. What good would that do? Just get you charged with being a pervert. I know. You get old and you're not allowed out in public anymore. They don't want you anywhere now. I was just trying to put my card back in my wallet. And she was staring. Judging me. Making that face. I know that face. I had never felt so inept in my life. My hands just forgot what to do. I couldn't breathe. Uh, The insistent downward pressure of water. All right, let's go. You got your prescription? Yeah. I hate how they put staples all over the bag in the receipt now. The bottle is hard enough to get into without it being all stapled up. They gotta keep those kids out. Make sure they stay safe. too dumb to read or think for themselves. They'll shove anything down their throats. Like detergent pods, right? Every advance is also a step backwards. I should have bought her some to go with her heart balloon. She was buying a hot-shaped balloon while Judas owned a motorbike. Why didn't she just pull out her smartphone and hot the dumb happy birthday post and leave you alone? Right. Yeah, I almost said that. I wish I had. If she were my kid, I would have slapped that smug little frown right off her face. I don't think they'd let you eat your almonds on the way to jail. Oh, hell, look at that. Here she comes. Well, drive. Drive, get out of here. I can't. Where's the keys? I thought you said she was buying a balloon. Well, she was. Oh, no, she has a whole bunch of them. Hurry! What's she doing? She's getting on the nursing home shuttle bus? Oh, hell. Don't look at me like that. Lights fade.
2: Lights Up is a podcast produced by the Ensemble Theatre of Chattanooga. A 501c3 nonprofit independent theater company located in southeast Tennessee. Lights Up is hosted by Christy Gallo and Dana Kola-Giovanni. Sound by Eric Red Wyatt. Graphics by Jamie Goodnight. And Casey Keelan as the associate producer.
0: Next week is Mark Cornell's. Bugs Bunny. Lights up on a construction site for a new high school. Owen and Brad, landscapers, grab pansies out of a wheelbarrow and place them strategically for planting.
2: No part of this podcast may be reproduced, copied, or presented without the expressed written consent of the Ensemble Theatre of Chattanooga. The plays presented on this podcast are protected by all national and international copyright laws. If you are interested in producing any of the plays featured on Lights Up, contact us and we will get you in touch with the playwright. If you would like your play considered for a future episode or would like to be an actor or a reader, please shoot us a message at lightsup at ensembletheaterofchattanooga.com. As a nonprofit, ETC relies on donations and the goodwill of patrons and supporters like you. If you would like to make a one-time donation to ETC, please visit our website for details. Or, you can become a monthly subscriber on Patreon and get access to exclusive content. You can also support us by giving us a like and rating this podcast. Lights Up is hosted by Anchor, a Spotify company. The easiest way to make a podcast.